Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker is here with me via the interwebs as we dive right in to players that are struggling through the first half of the season that you know we we hope we have a little bit of a you know a soft spot in our heart for these guys that they'll improve in the second half and turn things around. Justin, good morning and uh you know, ha- happy, what is it? Happy Sunday. It's a Sunday. Yeah. I don't, even I don't know, know if I'd call it a happy Sunday, but uh, I woke up to a few inches on the ground of snow, but my gosh. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's, well, um, see, it's not so bad. You've got, your driveway's not, uh, well, actually, I guess I don't know. I don't know your new place. Uh, you're probably not going to go to your new place and shovel. You're just going to, you're just at your, your rental and you're going to. You have to shovel there, or are you going to have to go to your your new property and shovel there too? So it's weird. So my my new property um, doesn't have sidewalks, which is great because we're on a corner lot. So if we had sidewalks, that would just be disastrous. That's what I I grew up with, and it was a nightmare every me time too. it snowed. Yeah, me too. My dad, uh, yeah, refused to get out the snowblower for anything less than fifteen inches of snow. So <laughs> I was shoveling every time, and he would he would make me do it like. I would be going to bed at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, whatever it is on a school night. He'd wake me up at minute and be like, all right, let's go out and shovel. I'm like, dad, I'm just, I'm sleeping. Please don't. And he's like, no, no, no. We're going to shovel now so that there's less to shovel tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, I don't just, I hate that. It would drive me nuts. I, so I get uh, it for shoveling though. You kind of have to, like you can't shovel right? <laughs> eight or 10 inches of snow at once. Like it just is backbreaking. Right. Exactly. So I, I get that more as an adult, but uh, luckily, again, like I said, my, my new place doesn't have sidewalks. The driveway is fairly long, not as long as yours, but um, I do. It's just gravel right now, so I don't know you know, how much of that I can really actually oh, shovel. Yeah. I'm just going to let it just kind of go. But um, I know next, you know, this summer we're going to we're going to pave it. So uh, next winter we'll definitely have to shovel that. And then the rental property we're at, same situation. We actually don't have a paved driveway either. Oh, right. right. Um, yeah, I've been to that one. I haven't been to your new spot. Yeah, so it's kind of nice. So we got just a tiny little sidewalk out in front. It's not a huge, just a two-bedroom house. So not too much to shovel, which will be nice. I'll just take care of that in like 10 minutes when we're done. And Well, if you're, putting in, if you're putting in a new driveway at your new place, then uh, I strongly recommend a heated driveway. A heated? Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you know, you can run, uh, run your pecs underneath your driveway and yep. then... And then you just run hot water through it, and uh, it'll keep you heated. You'll, Interesting. It, no, okay. no snow will ever, snow will never melt, or it'll melt as soon as it touches it. That's a it, good call. You think, would I need to upgrade from my 40-gallon tank, you think, or? Oh, you probably have to have, like, you probably have to have, like, a little separate tank somewhere. Ah, that, okay. That controlled just that, so I don't know how much it would actually be. I've never done it. I only I've I've seen it done in like garages a lot, where oh, you know okay. people want their garage floor to be warmer than what it typically is. So you put in your heated floor in there. But it's a good call. But you can do it in a driveway. So hmm. it would just be. Like it. It's mostly just the cost of the PEX. So, but anyways, I mean PEX isn't cheap, but it's not that bad. For uh, for never ever ever having to shovel ever again. Hey, I remember right. I had a friend in high school, and her dad had a had a heated driveway. They had a huge driveway, and the whole thing was heated <laughs> in the middle of a snowstorm. It was just empty. It was beautiful. Love it. Anyway, so we said we were going to talk about hockey. You're here to to talk about hockey and listen to, listen to us talk about hockey. So we're going to do that. Uh, there are teams and players across the National Hockey League that. For one way, one reason or another, they've struggled to start the year. Uh, and that start to the year has moved on to now we're halfway through the year. They're still struggling. And uh, we are here to motivate them, to encourage them, and inspire them to have a better second half. So take this as, uh, you know, whether this is a, a little, uh, hey, remember this guy? Somebody probably dropped him in fantasy. Uh that's a, always a good reminder, but yeah, there's just hockey in general. If this guy's on your favorite team or a team that you hate and you're hoping that they continue to struggle. 
whatever your cup of tea is. We're going to talk about players who've struggled in the first half. Uh, I've got a list of uh, you know about fifteen players and teams. Justin's got ten, so I, mine are in no no particular order. Did you order yours in any way? No, not at all. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, but you know, I kind of want to. I kind of want to start the show because I know you've got at least one on there. Uh, do you have any goalies that you that made it onto your list? Yeah, I've got two goalies that made it onto my list. All right, let's hear it. All right. Well, first goaltender I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out there is uh, Jordan Bingington from the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, yeah, he's. Had an interesting I mean, year. Yeah, interesting is a good way to put it. I mean, so you look at his save percentage, 906, and it's like, okay, well, that's that's a little bit low par, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but, again, a 3.05 goals against average. And then when you look at what Huso and Lindgren have done, uh, 938, 958 save percentage, I'm just thinking, okay, well, clearly it it's not – you know, the team in front of him. I mean, St. Louis has been playing phenomenal sure. every single night. And, uh, you know, Bingington just isn't up to form right now. He just, you know, I, I'd like to see a save percentage uh, at least five or six points higher. And, uh, you know, for me, again, it's just he's been fortunate to have a team in front of him that's played so well. And he's about to lose a starting job to Huso if uh, he doesn't pick it up here soon. Yeah, my uh, I, I have one other goaltender, and uh, that's... I mean, I think the most obvious, maybe the most obvious pick for this entire list is Philip Grubauer, who has just struggled tremendously in 8.83 save percentage, 3.26 goals against, which some of that is, of course, indicative of the team in front of him. The Seattle Kraken have not been good, but even a, a player like Carell, oh, I mean, I, I'm going to butcher his last name, Vejmelka. The goaltender for the Arizona Coyotes, who like shut the Leafs down and uh, made me cry one night. Uh, we had like over forty-five saves. Uh, <laughs> I mean, terrible team, even worse than the Kraken, and he's still potting a nine-zero-five save percentage, three-two-eight goals against. Which the goals against, in some respects, is a lot of like just it's the team for the most part outside. Like the Jordan Bennington, when you look at your other goaltenders and. And they all have much better statistics than you. Then you got to look inward. But it's not as if Chris Drieger has much better statistics than Philip Grubauer. But that save percentage is is rough. He he has not looked comfortable all year long. Not many. I'll say not many pundits. Uh, when I'm listening to uh, to different podcasts and radio talk show stuff about just hockey in general. When people are talking about players that are struggling, I don't hear Philip Grubauer come up too often. I don't know if that's just because they're assuming that Seattle hasn't built much of a fan base, so they're not, and and they're bad, so they just kind of ignore it. Uh, but I mean, Grubauer was expected. I mean, he's a Vesna Trophy finalist, and he's expected to come in here and give them a chance to win every night. And it has been quite the opposite. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, to your point, you know, why people aren't talking about him, because, again, I think people expect Seattle to be bad, so you're not expecting all-worldly goaltending, right? But, sure. I mean, again, 883, 3.26 goals against, to me, those numbers are just not good enough, even on a crappy team. I mean, listen, I've been watching, you know, obviously I've had my, my Red Wings here for the last couple of years struggle, and they've been towards the bottom of the, the standings, but, you know, there's been a goaltender who signed with New Jersey this year, Jonathan Bernier, who has still managed to put up some really, really good numbers on such a terrible team. Now, is Bernier better than Grubauer? Maybe not, but still, there's, you know, when, when goaltenders are still quality goaltenders, they'll find ways to still put up some decent numbers, even on crappy teams. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and there's other goalies that, you know, that we could hit on that maybe haven't had the most fantastic start to their year. Uh Robin Leonard's been fine, but I think that there's a lot of room for improvement when it comes to Leonard. Um, particularly, some of it is because there's been so many injuries, but a 903 save percentage, not the greatest. He's lost 11 out of his, his 29 games, uh, or, you know, he's only won 16 of those. And that's just for how good that team is supposed to be. Um, you know, you could, you could kind of 
knock it, knock him a little bit for that, especially what Mark Andre Fleury was able to do last year uh, with a very similar team. But we'll see. That, like he is, he is the poster child for holy crap. Hold on to this guy in fantasy because everyone's coming back for Vegas, and it's likely that they, you know, they they make a little push here and and pull further ahead of Anaheim and, and Los Angeles. And I mean that Pacific, the Pacific Division has turned out to be so much worse than we could have ever imagined. Right. <laughs> like, for all the okay yeah Anaheim really cool story Los Angeles also a pretty cool story like things things have worked out for some of these teams and I, I mean Edmonton's a disaster case uh Calgary's probably because they've played so few games I mean Calgary's probably that one team where you're like okay they're they'll they'll likely figure things out here Edmonton's not getting any goaltending uh oh my gosh it, it's just been <laughs> The, the entire division is bad outside of Vegas. I, I think that uh, I I thought that Edmonton and and to start the season Edmonton was what sixteen and nine, so to start the season Edmonton looked great, and here we are though Vegas is really the only legit team in that division. Uh, Anaheim, the L A they've got nice pieces coming. They're playing decent hockey right now. I mean it's. It's fortunate for for them that they're in such a poor division. They're playing against not only playing more regularly against bad teams in this division, uh, but the teams in the. I mean, Anaheim has is if if you go by like let's just take out OT loss points, you know, and just go straight win loss. Anaheim is second in that division at twenty and twenty three. They've won 20 of 43 games. And LA has won 20 or uh 20 out of 41 games. I mean, this is not a good division at all. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the second place team in in other divisions, they're Nashville's eight points ahead, Tampa Bay's 14 points further ahead, and Carolina's nine points further ahead in far less games than what, what Anaheim's sitting at. I mean, this division is just bad. Um uh, and I don't expect them to necessarily get any better. <laughs> I think that it's no. just a rough division. Other than, you know, if Edmonton can scoop a goalie and maybe start to win here a little bit. but Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it on the last show, and but I'm already hearing Corpusalo's name. It's like they were uh, they were listening to the cast. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's I think true. Justin's on to something. They were like, oh, yeah, hey, Justin, oh, that's a good idea. Corpusalo, let's investigate. Let's do it. Uh yeah, so I, I I guess in terms of teams for me, teams that have struggled. I mean, you've got the Edmonton Oilers have to be the top of that list, right? Like, there's you could you could do an entire show just on how the Edmonton Oilers have struggled, and uh, I mean they're they're the the team you got to look at and go. I mean, I, obvious this can't get worse, can it? Can it get worse? <laughs> oh, I think it can. Yeah, I you know what? It's funny. I purposely left them off this. Will yeah, will it is the question, right? I think um, to me, I left them off this list just because I f- I felt like we could, like you said, spend a whole entire show just dogging Edmonton at this point. Um, but I mean, will it get worse? Mm, I don't know if it can get much worse than this. I, I think you know, as long as you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on the team, I think they can kind of keep their heads above water just enough in this division to stay within you know grasp of a third place spot, but. Man, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. They looked decent last night. Leon Draisaitl looked great against Calgary, and uh, Koskinen actually looked like a goaltender with forty-four saves. But yeah, it's it's actually amazing to me that they keep putting Koskinen out there. But I, I don't really have anybody else to do to, to send out there. No. But but Stuart Skinner, and that's about it, really. And and, and he can't trust the starting awful. job to him. So no. yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it also is amazing to me that. Now I guess you know this is Ken Holland's patience, and it has absolutely, as a Red Wings fan, I'm sure that you can think back to points in time where his patience just killed you. <laughs> like, dude, you got to make a move, do something. Um, the problem only is when Ken Holland does something, it usually ends up being the wrong move. Uh, <laughs> at least in the last 15 years, I don't know. Did I did I send you that thread? of all the moves that Ken Holland has had made in the last, like it basically since the Red Wings won the cup in, in 08, uh, yeah, 08, right. 
Yeah. That since that point, all the trades that he's made, and there's maybe like one move where you're like, all right, that was a good move. All and the to rest. Me, the, the only the, the only move that was pretty good was when he uh, flipped Dadzuk's contract and a first round pick to just move back like two spots in the draft with Arizona, who picked up Jacob Chikrin, and that was <laughs> to me that's been the the really only good move in my opinion. Yeah, he he hasn't he hasn't really done much for you lately. If you're a Red Wings fan towards the end there. And I mean, the Red Wings, in fairness, I think there was a lot of like, do whatever you have to do to make the playoffs. That's all we like. We're just going to ride this out. Like they delayed the inevitable of being bad. And I think that they thought that getting that new arena, um, they kind of figured, well, if we're going to be bad, let's be bad in a new arena to start it out. Like at least we're going to get people (laughs) coming to the new arena and they they kind of held out until uh, till the Joe died and, and you know that streak died with him. Uh, okay, let's let's dive into some forwards though, because I think this is the the fun part of it. Uh, who 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 appears first on your list? Who do you got? Who throw out throw out a name? All right, first name I'm just going to throw out again in no random order, but uh, it's going to be Tyler Sagan uh, okay, of the yeah. Dallas Stars. Yeah. I just to me, you know what. It's funny um, when they were when they were you know very competitive and at the top of that division. Sagan was centering that top line with Jamie Ben on the wing. Yep, going to the Stanley Cup all, Finals. Right now, you've got Jamie Ben centering the second line with Tyler Sagan on his wing. I mean, don't get me wrong, Ben's a decent faceoff guy, but whew, I mean, that's just it's it's odd to watch. I mean, Sagan right now sitting at a, a paltry nineteen points through thirty eight games. Yes, twelve goals is nice, but. I mean, a minus 14, second worst on his team, and it just it seems like they just can't take off, right? Like the engine started, and they're they're coasting a little bit downhill, but they're just they haven't taken off yet. And I'm just I'm waiting for them to hit their stride and go. And now you're hearing John Kleinberg obviously isn't going to get a new deal done before this year, and rumor is he's going to get traded. He's so Audi. you know, yeah. At what point do you just say, okay, let's let's blow this up? I know they're a couple years removed from a Stanley Cup final, but this isn't that same team. They're not going to go in and beat you two to one every single playoff game, and they're not definitely going to get all world goaltending now that Ben Bishop's retired. I don't think Kudobin is that goaltender anymore. Jay Gottinger, yeah, he's fine. Braden Holpe's fine, but they're not going to steal you a series. So to me, if there's, you know, I, I mean, again, if Dallas wants to get back in and say, you know what, we're going to be competitive in this division, it's got to start with Sagan, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're they're. Uh... They're still within striking distance here of of the playoffs. Uh, you know they're they're only two points back. They've got four games in hand. They do have to also jump Calgary, but they they're definitely in a position where the, this this can still happen for them. They can still make the playoffs. So I, I like the pick with with Sagan. He, it's pretty clear that he is no, no longer the player that he once was. Like, I mean, even. You date back to like nineteen twenty. He had a he had a good season. You know he had fifty points in sixty nine games. Not not terrible. Uh, goes into the playoffs has two goals in twenty six games for thirteen points. And really since those playoffs, I mean he's you know he's really just averaging point five points a game, which it isn't terrible. But for a guy who's making for all intents and purposes, ten million bucks a year. I mean, he's one of the highest paid players in the NHL, and he's just not not producing. And on top of that, really, just not he's not scoring any goals. He it's just not not happening for him. And I think that injuries are are a big like it's just been a culmination of of things for him. And he's just not aging well. He's only twenty nine though. So you think, all right, he's got to have a, he's got to be in the position to where he could turn this thing around. I don't know if it's going to be this season. I, I wonder. I don't think that Dallas is going to fire Rick Bonus midseason, but I, I do wonder if he needs that coaching change to, to kind of find his offense again and be put into a, a spot where he can really produce. Because I mean, you look at the other side of it, and you look at Joe Pavelski who's 37 years old and the guy just keeps going. He's 43 right. points in 38 games. <laughs> like how is Sagan not looking at Pavelski going? I, like 
I need to be like this guy. Like, take take me on your on your regimen of whatever it is that you do, uh, because it's not working for me. Twenty nine years old and your body's falling apart. Uh, it, like Jamie Ben, I understand why his why his body maybe is you know failing him in the in the way that he had always played. He just played a different, a more brute style game, and that doesn't usually you don't usually uh, stay at the top of your game for. 10 years playing the way that he did early in his career. Yep. But, but Sagan's not that kind of guy. Like Sagan was, was, I mean, not a floater, but I mean, he was always somebody who, who used his speed and, and was able to use his smarts to, to create plays and create space for himself. And he's just not, he's just not doing that slowing down, whatever it may be. But yeah, Tyler Sagan, that's a, that's someone that desperately needs to find themselves because if he can, Dallas is in a, is in a pretty good spot still. I mean, the way that like hints has played and Pavelski has played, I mean, there's some, there's some nice pieces still here. And uh, yeah, on top of that, if you can get like Alexander Radulov going again, who only has one goal through 32 games, then, you know, maybe you've got something. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. There it is. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> um, I'm going to toss out a name. Uh, definitely not the not the struggle bus that uh, you know that that a guy like Sagan's been on, but close enough. Uh, Taylor Hall signed a big deal with the Boston Bruins, and I'd say that the first half has been fine. He hasn't been terrible. I mean, eight goals through 38 games bests what he you know what he did all of last year almost uh but i think he when he was brought in here and signed his signed his deal i think you were expecting more than this uh and i i think that it's coming like when you look at who he was playing with early on in the year and now he's been shifted to playing with posternock uh we're starting to see those dividends so well he's not somebody that struggled all first half his first half doesn't look that impressive, but he is certainly somebody who I think in this second half, when you take those back 42 games, uh, you are going to look at this and go, okay, this was the right the right call to sign Taylor Hall. Uh, Boston's obviously rolling, and I think that Taylor Hall probably ends up scoring 25 goals here by the by the end of the season. I think he's he's going to get hot towards the end. And uh, he is somebody, he's having a, f- a fine season, but I think that he's got that potential in there still to have that point per game or pretty darn close to it type of season. Yeah, and I think at $6 million, right, for me, I didn't put him on my list because I think this is a guy who at $6 million bucks a season is playing exactly where I would expect someone at that salary to sure. play at. Now, now again, is he capable, and do I typically expect more from a guy like Taylor Hall? Yes, absolutely, and I think he's still got more more levels he can go to, and uh, you know, if they somehow could work out and figure out how to find him a center to play with, you know, again, Pasternak is a line driver, right? He's he's actually, you know, we're watching him elevate Taylor Hall's game a little bit, and it's it's given the Boston Bruins a little bit more depth scoring, which they typically you know, have to roll that perfection line, and that's pretty much it, so uh, this has been nice that they can roll two lines out here now. But, um, you know, again, I, I think if they could find somebody to play center with Taylor Hall, you're going to see his game go to a whole other level. All right. Uh, who you got next? All right. Uh, another forward. I'm going to throw out a name, Mike Hoffman from the Montreal Canadiens. Um, to me, again, this is a guy who, when I made my list a, a couple days ago, he at the time was sitting, you know, with, with forwards who had played more than 20 games this year. He was sitting with the worst PDO and for those who don't know what that is, it's basically your shooting percentage plus your goaltender save percentage. So basically that means that, you know, again, he's not scoring goals. His goalies aren't stopping pucks, and he's not keeping them out of the net either. Uh, he was sitting with the worst PDO in the entire NHL of fours. Now he's moved up that list a little bit. But uh, for a guy who statistically, you know, again, was brought in to score goals because, you know, prior to last year, he had run off a total of six straight 22-plus goals a year seasons. And right now he's sitting with 11 points and only six goals. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, we could probably dog this whole entire Montreal Canadiens team too after you know last year's run. But 
Uh, I'm going to cut them a break because they don't have Shea Weber. They don't have Carey Price. And, you know, again, I, I think, you know, again, losing a guy like Phil Deneau was very detrimental to this team. And, you know, now it's showing. Yeah, you uh, basically often. lost your three best players. <laughs> right. And basically. In or, or we'll say three most, not necessarily three most talented players, but the three most impactful players on your team. Yes, absolutely. And. You know what, Hoffman at $4.5 million, I wasn't expecting him to be a 30-goal scorer by any means, but I was hoping for at least 25 goals out of this guy and possibly 40 points, but it's just it doesn't look like it's going to materialize. And hopefully this is just a down year for all Canadians because, man, it's going to be rough. Signed a big to deal. Those last two years. Yeah, three-year, 4.5. That's that's a big deal. You know, to, to, uh, to piggyback on the Montreal train, uh, I also had Nick Suzuki on my list who, you know, I get it this year. He's only making just over $800,000. So, uh, no big deal for the, for the cat, but you're, you're looking at it. He's about to be making close to $8 million next year. He's got eight goals through 40 games. Whereas last year he had 15 and 56. So he's, he's certainly, whereas last year he's on pace for almost 30 goals. And this year he's barely on pace for like 16 17 goals uh so that that to me is is concerning he's he's like a a 50 point guy right now uh whereas you were kind of paying him as a 70 75 point guy and uh nick suzuki i think you're not terribly worried uh in the long term because he's gonna have a better team around him he's kind of been thrown to the wolves a little bit and uh, and probably put in a situation where he wasn't ready to carry this type of load yet. But you're making $8 million a year now. I mean, this that's the kind of, or you're about to, and that's the kind of money when you make that type of dough, you better be ready to carry a team. So hopefully this is just some growing pains for Nick Suzuki and he's put into a better situation next year with, with maybe a little more talent around him uh, and not, so much losing that I know that just kind of compounds on itself. But Nick Suzuki, you know, Montreal can't really get it. I don't think that it can really get any worse. And I, and I'm even though I think that Kent Hughes coming in, new general manager, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does and and his his attempt to put a, a his mark on on the team. You know, it'll happen sometime in the next month. Uh, they'll probably make some type of move. I mean, they're going to move. Uh, what Ben Chariot? They're gonna they're gonna make moves, uh, and and we'll see what this team looks like. And even though I think they're going to make this team worse on paper, I think when they do that and they start to to churn up this roster a little bit, you're gonna see Cole Caulfield come back into the mix. You're gonna see some of these injured players start to pop back up in here. You know, they're Gallagher's out, Drew Ann's out. I mean, that's just silly. Uh, I think this team will be better for it. I think that they'll have a better second half. There's going to be no pressure. Uh, I, I think they're going to do a better job at, at at managing this roster. So I do look at Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki is eh, hey he'd be a, he'd be a guy worth scooping up in fantasy because I think that these young guys tend to have a better second half once the pressure's off and they can just go out and play. And I think that Kent Hughes will take that pressure off too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm interested to see, you know, again, I, I love it when a new GM comes in and tries to shake things up with a huge trade. So I'm hoping we get that. Uh, we'd love to see like a big name like Jonathan Druin get moved for, for a piece here and uh, start that rebuild process. Cause let's face it, you know um, the big question moving forward, right. For the Canadians is, you know, what's the long-term uh, status of Carey price, you know, is yeah. he going to be there for the rebuild? He's got to go back into re like physical rehab uh right. again they're saying he has to basically start his rehab over yeah so and at, at what point do you just go to him and say hey you know what i know you're rehabbing you're you're trying to come back but uh we're we're gonna try to start fresh and we want to do that without you so bye <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna eat five million bucks and we're gonna ship you off because at, at five at five million bucks carry price at for four more years uh, is palatable, and I think that you, someone would be, were like they would take the risk. Now, is Montreal willing to eat five million, twenty million dollars for the over the next four years? I don't know, 
I'm I'm certain that they're, they're they aren't going to trade him at this point because no one is going to he's he's at the bottom of the barrel in terms of his value, which is weird to say because he just basically single handedly led a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Right. But then he gets hurt. I mean, I, you're also I I have to imagine that based on uh, like knowing that hey he went into uh you know right now he's he's in physical rehab he also went into the 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 player assistance i i mean you know there's gms out there going well i'm not going to touch a guy who isn't mentally well that like that's just the reality of it which which is unfortunately the reason why i think that players i'm sure don't do what he's doing. I mean, he's making enough money to where he doesn't care and he's got a lot of security, but imagine being a player with one year left on his deal to say, I'm not mentally well. And you go into a, you go into the NHL players assistance program. No one's going to touch you. You know, you're not getting a good deal the next time because, because teams are going to be more weary of Hey, you know, what happens if this guy, what happens if he has a a break and, and then we lose out on this player, it's not going to be worth signing him to a big deal. So it does absolutely hurt you. Uh, it, at least in terms of your, your financial and and your security there. And, uh, Carey Price doesn't have to worry about that. Other players would, uh, but I got to imagine that with that huge price tag, other teams are going. No, we're not. Like, I'm not. We're not paying somebody ten and a half million dollars to to not play. Yeah, and I, I think you know teams are going to want him to come back and show that he's still got it after rehab exactly. again. And so, exactly. Uh, yeah, maybe somebody will take a chance on him at six, six and a half million but a he's, season. He's going to be thirty five. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, look at Mark Andre Fleury. He's in his mid, you know, his late thirties there, and still it's true, still killing it. So it's true. I mean, we. I, I think it's probably time to start readjusting our our outlook on very high, high, high level elite athletes. Like, I mean, you just look at what's happening in football, I mean, and it's been happening for a while. I mean, Tom Brady's forty five, Aaron Rodgers is thirty seven, and like basically the MVP of the league. There, there are some pretty darn old dudes, in, at least in terms of athletic age. And they're still cleaning up. I mean, and, we uh, just talked about one guy, Joe Pavelski, right? Yeah. Still cleaning up. Yep. So. And I think there's there is definitely absolutely more and more of that happening. Especially you gotta think, even twenty years ago, twenty years ago, you're still making a good a good amount of money in, in the national hockey league and in any professional sport. But your motivation now, the amount of money that you can make late in your career. I mean, the motivation is is there to stay healthy so that you can play as long as you can and keep making the, the money that you are. Now, granted, you also have to love what you're doing if you're doing it for that long. But I I, I do think there's a lot more money and there's a, a lot more to spend your money on in terms of keeping yourself healthy. There just is so much, so many things that you can do now, whereas, you know, even like 30 years ago, guys were drinking beer and smoking cigarettes after a game. Uh, That's definitely not happening now. Now, now instead of paying for, for cigarettes and booze, now you're paying for a masseuse to come and like rub you down before bed (laughs) after every game. (laughs) I just remember Henrik Zetterberg. I felt so bad for him, but how he's like, yeah, I have to like, I can't walk the next day after games and I'm getting, Oh, I know. Oh man, that guy. Uh, see, and he's probably somebody who would have benefited if he had taken care of himself earlier in his career, he probably could have played longer. And that's probably what it is, is, is who takes care of themselves when they're 25. You can get right. away with anything when you're 20, 21, 22. You could do whatever you want. But if you start taking care of yourself earlier than when you're 37, you maybe hopefully don't have as many problems and you can keep playing. But anyways. Yeah, and now we're in a league where it's not as physically demanding, right? Early on in your career, True. right? You're not, yeah. you know, taking that toll on your body as much either. So that's a great point. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Um, well, who else you got on your needs to improve list? My gosh. Okay. So I've got a couple defenders, some goaltenders and a few more forwards here, but, uh, I'll make it, I'll make it quick here. We'll run down some of these players. So, um, 
first off, I've, I've got Sean Monahan uh, from the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, I think this is a guy who, you know, again, uh, you know, Sutter's come in and he's been playing third line minutes most of the year. I think he, you know, again, his numbers are not what they used to be and his contract's coming to an end here, you know, after next season. So, um, you know, at 18 points in 36 games, not good enough for yeah, me. Yeah, he's a 40-point uh, guy, and that's kind of, funny enough, that's sort of where he's been at the last three years. Yeah, I expect a little bit more, and especially if Calgary's going to look to move him. I mean, listen, you got Milan Lucic with 14 points right behind you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, come on. When you just look at the comparables there, you can do better, Sean Monaghan. Let's go. Uh, yeah, Cal- Calgary has been uh, has been an enigma because you. I mean, you've got Johnny Gaudreau playing so well, like playing out of his mind right now, uh, and like you said, Milan Lucic finally kind of living up to to what he was supposed to do with that contract. Like, not going to be a guy who's putting up huge points, but so many intangibles, and it's kind of working. But uh, up and down that lineup. They're kind of getting mixed results from uh, from certain players. Like Blake Coleman hasn't been impressive. Uh, that deal is is not really uh, looking great right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically, five million into the into the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, that's. But then you've got like an Andrew Mangiopan who uh, had a great start to the season. Uh, hasn't hasn't blown my socks off lately, but. Uh, you know he can score some goals, but yeah, the the Flames are are a weird one. It's like all these Canadian teams that have these these issues right now. <laughs> okay. A lot of Canadian teams, and I, I I really honestly I wonder how many how much of this is. I mean, you got every American team. There's there's some pretty good pretty good freedom going on. Like COVID is. Uh, is still, of course, a thing, but for all the teams that are in the U.S., outside of maybe some California, like L.A., uh, it, it's not like there's really any... Life is pretty normal now. But in Canada, I mean, guys are... You're still locking down. Like, this is an ongoing thing for the last two years, and I, I have to think that that's playing a, a, at least some factor into some of the way that you know this is this is impacting guys on the ice because we're seeing a lot of Canadian teams struggle and and their American counterparts that were supposed to be not the greatest teams they're taking almost taking advantage of it because they're you know I don't know it's just a better quality of life and I think that it, it is going to impact you on the ice I mean did you see uh was it Justin Falk in St. Louis talking about having to go to Canada to play games. Do you see that? Oh, no, no. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, paraphrasing, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to go up there and play games, but we we, we have to, so we're, we're going to go. <laughs> like, I don't want to go to Canada, but I guess we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, so that there's there's two other things here to that point too, right? So you're also going to see guys that maybe have, like, like Claude Drew, for example, who's a guy that's been talked about being moved. Um, you know, he's got a no move, full no move clause, so he's going to control where he goes. Do you think he's going to want to go to one of those Canadian teams at all? Like, you know, I mean, if some team can afford him, like maybe Winnipeg or somehow manage to squeeze them in their cap space. But if you're a player that has some control over where you go, you're probably going to cross all those teams off your list because you yeah. don't want to deal with that shit. Outside of maybe a guy who's from the area. That right. that would exactly. be your maybe only just, hope. I really want to go home and play for my hometown, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. but, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to Toronto. Like, Toronto's kind of different because Toronto's so good. Like, if you got the opportunity to go from a bad team and, and to go play for the Leafs, I think at this sure. point you're willing to put up with it. And you know that hopefully the restrictions are going to be lessened. But the way that the way that things have gone, you don't know when they're just going to go. Ah, we need to. We're going to put them back in place. Whereas in the right. U.S., like it's it's basically been you know it's it's been decided. We're not going back to like. In, in regular life, we're not doing mask mandates anymore. Like most most states aren't. They're they're just going, okay, well, we're just gotta deal with this now. We've kind of learned enough. We're we're just gonna roll with it. And in Canada, they're like, No, we want you to be we're gonna take every possible precaution and and we're gonna limit everything, close down gyms, yada yada yada. 
Um, yeah, and when you're closing, right, you're you're you know postponing all these games, right? If you're a team like Calgary or Edmonton, when you were getting on a roll there and you got to stop for like yeah. three weeks from playing, and now it's like, well, there goes our mojo. It's gone. Well, that and you know you look at. What happens if you're, oh, by the way, I got to tell you, this is funny. Uh, I was listening to 32 Thoughts, uh, and one of the questions, I don't know, I think I think that whoever asked this question listened to our show, our last show, because I asked the same question. <laughs> Someone on there, like, you know, ask 32 or whatever, they, you know, they take questions at the end. They asked, yeah. what happens if, a you know, a player has already played, uh, like, 70 games for a team they get traded and then the team that they get traded to has like 16 or 17 games left do they get paid more like is there any you know compensation for playing more games and their answer was no that it's right it's all just based on the year so you don't yeah. um but the record is is uh 86 games played in a year that could be broken yeah it could be if you get traded to a team like edmonton or calgary I could see that yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, right now, right now, the team with the least amount of games played are the Ottawa Senators. So if you get traded from it from the, I don't know why Tampa would be trading a player to the Ottawa Senators, but they played forty three. <laughs> so that would be uh, nine games that you could potentially play more than. Uh, so you could do ninety one games. All said and done, <laughs> that would be I mean, funny. That would be funny. <laughs> But yeah, we could see that uh, that record broken for sure. Um, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, thats kind of a kind of an easy one because both yep, players have too. desperately struggled. Uh, I think that that's probably a conversation, like a, a broader conversation. But both those guys, you gotta th- you have to think that they both are going to have a better second half. Like it's hard to have as bad of a first half as Elias Pettersson has had. Yeah, and luckily for them, they've, they've got a new head coach in there um, who's kind of turning things around a little bit. I think they're, what, 11-3-1 and, and one since uh, yeah, yeah, Boudreau came in. So it's, it's been pretty good, and hopefully, you know, again, the good times will continue. And and they're only going to continue if Besser and Pedersen pick up their game. Sure. Um, other guys that, uh, you know, they, they don't appear to be having bad seasons. Um, I've got Ryan Getzlaff on my list, and I'll tell you why. Okay. He, he's got he's got 24 points through 35 games and that's that's fine, you know, for for a guy last year he had 17 points in 48 games. Uh so the the production he's getting this year is improved. I mean, we're we're seeing a better player. But he had 19 points through the first 18 games. He was averaging over a point per game. Since then, he's got one goal, a total of five points in the last 17 games. So his last 17, he has looked, I would say he's he's in a position where he's playing at a lower level than he was playing at last year. And, wow. And that is concerning to me, uh, especially because, you know, suddenly you've got you're you're in a position where you know you're ahead of teams and now teams are chasing you and i i can't see anaheim continuing to play as well as they have and now in that stretch in, in the games that he's played i mean you're looking at they they have won two of their last nine games anaheim so that, i mean that's a I guess, well, three of their, yeah, okay, three of their last ten, but two of their last nine, that's what we're going with. Two of their last nine, uh, two of them they've lost in overtime. They beat the Detroit Red Wings, and then, of course, most recently, they pummeled the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is uh, random, (laughs) but (laughs) they, yeah, I I think Anaheim, Anaheim to me, you got, you got to think that's probably the most likely team to fall from, from where they are. I mean, their pace has just been tremendous. Uh, I just don't see the, I, the if the production from Getzlaff isn't there, they aren't going to win. Like he he's relied upon for so much within that organization, maybe unfairly, uh, but to go from a point per game to all of a sudden five points in eighteen games, that's not going to cut it. And uh, the goals, notwithstanding, because Ryan Getzlaff has never scored goals, like 
he just he just doesn't score goals and that's fine he's going to set people up but the people around him need to be scoring and things have really slowed down for Troy Terry uh for Tre- Trevor Zegris and I, I well I think Anaheim continues to grow those players I wonder if it, if they can sustain the spot that they're at and they're they're not going to if Getzlaff keeps playing the way he's playing yeah and that's the other thing right you mentioned the goal scoring part right nobody expects Getzlaff to score some goals but for me uh the rest of the team with the goal scoring is where the concern is mostly um listen I mean their top three goal scorers right now Sonny Milano Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers they're accounting for 32.8 percent of their total goals and the next highest goal scorer is Ricard Raquel who in my mind is gonna get dealt by the deadline because Anaheim's gonna continue to slip Mm. so when you lose goal scoring from him and then he's also on my list (laughs) Ricard Raquel yes perfect (laughs) Yeah, right. And then you, you've got the, I mean, honestly, Troy Terry and Zegers are not going to be able to keep it up, in my opinion. So when this team starts to slow down and Ricard Raquel's gone, I mean, it's just, there's there's no hope for him well, unless now, now you know, Jonathan Gibson can will them into right. the playoffs. Now you're talking Hampus Lindholm. I mean, he could fetch a tremendous price. Uh, Josh Manson, you know, who probably one of those guys you're going to keep. You're probably keeping, I would assume you're going to try and re-sign one of them. Uh, neither right. uh, Hampus Lindholm would definitely be the pricier, the pricier of the two. Um, but he's not a guy who puts up big points, so I don't know that he he gets you more than like. What do you think for Lindholm? Seven and a half, eight million, probably on the open market. I mean, he's never in the last four years. His best season's twenty eight and seventy six. So he's, he, we we know he's not a big point producer, anyways. Uh, but it's those point producers that are making the money. So I don't know that he gets paid a ridiculous amount and for very long. Like, is anyone out there giving Hampus Lindholm a seven-year deal to take a stay-at-home defenseman to 35 years old? I don't think so. No, and I think after all the signings last, you know, this last offseason with with guys getting ridiculously long contracts at nine and a half million bucks, I think teams have spent their money. So there's not going to be a lot of teams out there willing to say, okay, well, you know, he's not a superstar on defense for one thing. So, yeah, a lot of teams aren't going to shell out long term and they're not going to shell out big dollars. So to me, this is a guy who maybe gets four years, five years tops at seven million bucks at the most. Yeah, if, the most. if he does get the the extra years, it's because he's he's getting like a, a five, six million dollar deal. Like, you know, maybe he gets sure. more term for, for less dollars. Um I, I mean, I, I certainly, the way that things have turned around, I could see them going, you know what, actually, we, we're going to hang on to Hampus Lindholm and we're going to, we'll deal with it in the offseason. And he, he's played here his whole career. He said he wants to stay. You know, I, I could, I could see something like that. I, a lot of these guys have ended up staying with their teams. And I think with, with COVID too, that if you can stay where you're comfortable, you already have your home, you don't have to worry about that stuff. I think it's just, it just it, life's life's just a little bit easier that way. Uh, I, I could see Hampus Lindholm wanting to stick around. Like he's been here forever. He's experienced good times in Anaheim and bad times, and now you're just starting to swing to where you're a good team. You're in a weak division. I think if you're Hampus Lindholm and you like living where you live, you're probably staying. Right. But um, all right. Let's let's toss out a couple more names and uh, we'll wrap up the show. Cool. All right. I want to throw one out or a pair of names out there that I think are a little comical that I just, I just want to get out there anyways. But uh, guys that had terrible first halves that I expect better second halves, uh, Evander Kane and Jack Eichel uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Evander Kane's really struggled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, let's just, that's, it's all off ice, but um, those two guys aside, um, the next name on my list, I've got Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. I know we've talked about a lot of forwards here, but on defense, uh, an NHL worst minus 20 or minus 31 right now, um, obviously on a terrible team. And he is playing almost, it feels like every single minute or every other shift. I'm sorry. Who, who, uh, who did you say this was? Jacob Chicken. Oh, Jacob Chicken. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I missed yeah. the name was like, who's minus 31. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the he's going to get playing, dealt. Yeah. He's going to get dealt. Uh, you know, playing 25 minutes a night. Obviously, a lot of teams would love to get a top 
pairing defenseman at you know just under five million bucks a season. That is just a, that's striking at rich right there, as far as sure. I'm concerned. Um, obviously, the minus thirty one is just because he's just playing on a terrible team right now. Um, and then for players with more than twenty games, forwards and defensemen included, he is a league worst as far as PDO is concerned. So uh, his his guys aren't scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, and yeah. He's not his fault. Up a lot there in Arizona. <laughs> not no, not his, his fault. fault at all. Because um, outside of Clayton Keller, I mean, there's not a lot of goal scoring going on there. And you know, you're going to see another guy, Phil Kessel, who sets up a lot of goals, is going to get dealt too. So. Yep. Um, yeah, it's going to get a lot worse for Arizona. I've got two names. Uh, my first name, Anders Lee. Uh, you know, after he went down last year, uh, the Islanders were in such a good position. He goes down, and and they still they still play pretty well uh, into the playoffs. But I think they sorely missed him, and he has not looked like the Anders Lee that we are used to. Uh, he he never was somebody who was going to go put up you know a, a point per game by any means. 10 goals in 29 games is, is, is pretty good. It's good for him. Uh, but the 13 points, he's only got three assists through 29 games. I know the Islanders aren't scoring. Uh, there's a lot wrong there, but uh, they, they have been, they have been better in their last 10 games They're seven, two and one They're They're moving up the, up the standings also because they played way less games than everyone. They, they've only played 34 games. Uh, I think it's feasible to think that they'll, they're not going to put themselves in the playoff spot, but they're going to put themselves in the like quote unquote running because they'll be you know the the first or the second team out of the playoffs. I don't see them catching the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins are about to catch the Toronto Maple Leafs here. <laughs> they're they're, uh, they're rolling, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's going to be the the Bruins are are on a tear right now. The Islanders are doing well, but I, I don't think that they're going to find themselves in the play. I think they've they've probably dropped themselves out of there too far. They can't score. They've only scored 80 goals. I mean, even the Ottawa Senators, even the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I guess the Canadiens have played six more games and, and have only scored eight more goals, so we'll see about that. But, uh, yeah, they, they can't score goals. Uh, but anyways, Anders Lee, you need him to be better. Uh, for the for the Islanders to, you know, if they're if they are going to make the playoffs, if they're going to do a St. Louis Blues type of run, which, you know, once in a one hundred year run, if we see that in like a three year span twice, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but Anders Lee is going to need to be better. And my last name, someone who has zero goals. Do you know who I'm? You know who I'm talking about? Zero, zero goals. goals. I don't want to cheat and look, so I'm just going to say no. I can't guess here, but uh, he had he has scored no less than uh, than 14 goals since 1718 with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, last year he had 17 and 51. So you know you're looking at a guy who basically was a 30 goal scorer headed into this year, and Jonas Donskoy is sitting uh-huh. with zero goals right now, 14 assists. Through forty games, uh, just just not not gonna cut it. You got to score some this goals. Year's Riley Shahan. <laughs> I, you know what's crazy? I I saw his. Uh, I, I feel like yeah, Riley Shahan. Remember when he scored? He scored what the the last in the last game of the la, of the season to, to right. finally get his goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean Riley Shahan has more goals than Jonas Donskoy. <sighs> he has one. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I mean, you could throw in Riley Nash in there too. I mean, thirty-three games, he scored zero goals and two assists. Yeah, but but he, he was been... never someone who could score. I mean, we're talking right. about no, a guy who scored, who was on pace to score thirty goals last year. He has none, like not one single goal. That's unbelievable. He's, I mean, it's like a light Jonathan Chichu. <laughs> if he does, if he went the whole year without scoring a goal, that would be unbelievable. Like I think. I think I could probably play 82 games and find my way to scoring one goal. Like, I can get to the net and accidentally have a puck go off my butt <laughs> in 82 games. I'm certain of it. He's playing 15 uh, minutes a game. So. It's not like he's he's you know it's not like he's he's not averaging decent amount of playing time, and it's not like he's not on a the highest scoring team in the NHL. <laughs> That's what's so unbelievable. This team is. Uh, oh, sorry, Florida has two more goals. Than uh, than Colorado, but two less. Colorado's played two less games. 
I, I, I got to think Colorado will find a way to score two goals in two games. I mean, this team is just <laughs> scoring goals in droves. They're a plus 47. I mean, how do you not have one of those 165 goals that your team has scored? Crazy. I know, even Louis Erickson's got a goal, okay? Let's just put that oh out there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, also, I mean, James, Van Reams, James Van Riemsdyk. If I'm going to throw out a high-paid player, uh, oh. James Van Riemsdyk is really struggling in Philadelphia. I don't know that he's... I, I think he'd still I mean he's got ten goals through forty one games, so uh probably put into a little bit better of a situation. He could still put up twenty five. Uh maybe in a real good situation thirty, but he is he's also a minus nineteen. Like he's just not being played properly. I mean he's definitely a like you've got to put this guy in the offensive zone as much as possible. But you get him to the net. You get you get the right players around him. He has great hands. Uh but you know, playing on the team that is definitely playing the worst hockey in the National Hockey League right now, the Philadelphia Two Flyers. Two ten-game losing streaks. Yes. Two. Crazy. The, Unreal. Uh, why is it that the Flyers always seem to have these insane streaks? Like <laughs> even dating back to several years ago, it's like they always they they remember there was a year they had a ten-game winning streak and a ten-game losing streak very close together. Yep. Yeah. They. Unreal. Uh, and and I believe. They're, so they're on a an eleven game losing streak. Their franchise record is twelve. They play the Dallas Stars tomorrow, Monday, and then the Islanders on Tuesday. So there is the potential that by Tuesday they've set a franchise record for most losses in a row. Like, oh my. Those are two teams that are fighting for their life. And the the Flyers don't have much to fight for anymore. They're they're uh, dead in the water and We'll see. They might make a second coaching change, I think. I think Mike Yo <laughs> might be out. I mean, he's only the like interim, and I, I think that he might be out. They're playing that bad. Like Two different coaches have been on 10-game losing streaks. How, how often do you see that? I don't know if we've ever seen that. I, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to, to find that out. But James Van Riemsdyk is somebody who uh, I don't know that he gets dealt unless Philadelphia is willing to eat half his salary. I think then you know you could justify it, but nobody can afford seven million bucks uh, right in this moment. And and if you're Philadelphia, you're probably going well. We're just going to hang on to you and see how you do next year, and we'll we'll figure that out later. But he he could be a dark horse player to be dealt if Philadelphia is you know willing to play ball and and eat some salary. But James Van Reem's like probably probably better to be a hey have a better second half. <laughs> as right. as most all the Philadelphia Flyers, God, they need a better second half. I've got Konechny on my list too, and I mean it's pretty easy. You go to the bad teams and you look who's struggling. It's actually it's it's very indicative. It shows you that you know you look. It's easy to get caught up in looking at teams and going, "Wow, that team is really struggling. Why are they struggling? Oh, it's this like culmination of all these players." Well. When you go to those teams and you you look at what their players have done in terms of production, it's usually pretty easy to go. Well, that guy's playing, had having a bad year. That guy's having a bad year. That guy's having a bad year. When it's like three or four guys who usually are pretty good are all having bad years, you're gonna have a bad year. <laughs> Your team's right. not gonna be good, and uh, it's amazing how much you know. As much as we like to say that hockey is this like all-around team sport you need everybody contributing if like two of your players are really struggling there goes your team and that's that just is what it is um it's it is as much of an individual effort as it is a, a team game well justin i think we've uh i think we've done done well yeah, I, I like the names. I do want to throw one more out there. Okay, I yes. know we talked about a couple teams, but uh, it's only been lately, so it hasn't been like an entire first half. But uh, and I, this is more of a um, you know a little poke at you because I know they're your favorite team. But uh, Toronto's defense lately has been a little too soft for my liking, and it's very it's, it's been soft for the second uh, half for Sheldon Keefe too. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd like to see a, a tougher D to play against. I watched that Rangers game, man, and they just they, they scored every goal in front of the net, like. Like it was nothing. <laughs> they did. Uh, they did shut the Islanders down last night, though. That was good, but I mean, not hard to let's do. Be honest, not hard right. to do. 
but uh, yeah I, I i don't disagree i think we're kind of in that like this is that time of year where it can get real difficult to to play hard nose hockey for all 82 games like you start to go we're 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 kind of are where we are you know it's you go through those little little lulls i i'm not too worried um also whenever jake muzzin is out like you're just going to be softer <laughs> right <laughs> if you if your defense is built around jake muzzin and he's not there you're probably going to be a little softer than than when he's he's there um that's a given i i did actually have mitch marner on my list oh nice wow okay uh yeah you know i i know and he did have a really slow start and i gotta t- i gotta tip my hat to him he finally scored uh a power play goal uh for the it's first time, time in like what was it like 100 games or something like that he got a power play goal <laughs> right <laughs> he went on that crazy crazy little stretch of no power play goals um yeah he had zero last year in 55 games and uh and 60 year before yeah it, it was like what it was something something crazy yeah it was it was like almost 100 games i think that he Jeez, didn't, I didn't score realize that yeah it was like one of the longest <laughs> weirdest little streak he had he had like 60 shots on goal and just didn't never scored and then yeah, he scored against uh i think it was the rangers actually that he scored that that goal against um uh, but right. only 20 like for someone who has put up big numbers, you know, he's a more than a point per game guy sitting at 26 and 29. Uh, if he's going to get to that, you know, 90 point spot that he was at a couple years ago, which is what he's been on pace for every year, uh, he's going to need to have a better second half. And if you get a better second half out of Mitch Marner, uh, how much better are the Leafs? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they've already been very good. I, I wouldn't say that they've been great, but I'd say that they've been very good. Uh, I think it's a lot easier to look at, like, you look at the Rangers, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Lightning, and the Panthers, and I think you're going, I probably like those teams better than the Leafs. In in a seven-game series, anyone could win, uh, but I th- I think that the Leafs have, like, a, they have a little bit of work to do uh, in terms of getting themselves that extra piece to kind of put them on the same same level as those teams. Okay. That would be that would be my thought on that. But anyways, okay, well you can find <laughs> us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and uh, we will talk to you guys sooner rather than later. Have yourselves a great week. <laughs>